welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We got a hard-working hockey guy who seems to have his hands in a lot of different things in the Boston area. John Lounsbury. Lounsey grew up in the great city of Winthrop, Massachusetts. He played his college hockey at the University of Southern Maine. Uh, played a couple years in the SPHL for the Huntsville Havoc before getting into hockey as a coach. He coached at the prep school level, coached at the junior hockey level. Now he's helping out with College of Holy Cross at the Division I one level. Uh, he is also a partner at Gel Sticks, which is our title sponsor for the podcast. And he owns a hockey development company called Eleven Hockey. So this was a, a really good conversation with a good hockey guy. But before we do get over to Lounsey, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Lovecchio. Jeff, what's happening today? Not much, brother. I'm uh loving the st louis weather right now it was like snowing like four days ago and yesterday and today i was wearing shorts so uh pretty crazy but uh just having a good 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 couple days here i'm not gonna lie to you i'm in the new gym uh more often than not now in the rink in chesterfield here um kind of my own space and it's been very very exciting and a lot of hard work has come to fruition here with me kind of you know i don't own the space i partnered with uh the gym that i'm out of elite performance academy here in st louis and and it's just it's he pretty much uh, the owner kind of just lets me do what i want with it set it up how i want uh we run it together running teams and it's it's been uh it's been life-changing for me for sure to have have kind of my own space it's been very exciting yeah so what kind of things can you do differently that you weren't able to do before uh, that's actually a really good question. I mean, so this is the eighth year of my tra- having my training company, and the first six years were only in the off season. And then after I retired two years ago, last year was my first full year. Now this is my second um, full year. I've always had to train people out of someone else's gym, and you know, there's a lot of. Um, preparation and planning and writing workouts but when you're training out of someone else's gym you have to be mindful of their clients and all the people around there and although I was training my guys out of a 22 and a half thousand square foot facility which is massive if I want them to go do x and there's other clients doing x well okay now I got to think on the fly what muscles are we working how can I mimic that and do it some other way in the gym so I'm out of you know other trainers way or uh, you know a football uh, workout classes going on I got to stay out of their way so it's just nice to be able to plan things and go in early and set up how I want and not have to worry about anyone else uh, using my equipment or me being in the way of others so it's uh, it's definitely a game changer for me and I set up some new things kind of created some stuff on my own in the gym that I'd never seen before that I've always wanted and, and it's been a pretty cool process yeah and I have to imagine that the ability to kind of be creative with what you do and having your own space has to be a lot of fun for you because again when you're doing it on somebody else's turf no pun intended um (laughs) you can't be as (laughs) you can't really be as creative but when it's your baby it's almost like the sky's the limit with the space that you have 
Right. And, and so like I got to, I designed the gym, like Matt Bierman, unbelievable mentor of mine who, who owns elite performance Academy. Um, he just kind of let me take it and run with it and do whatever I want with it. And, um, yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you what though, too, like any trainers out there, cause I got a lot of strength coaches and trainers and aspiring trainers that listen to the podcast and coaches that want to learn how to train their teams more efficiently, more effectively are always messaging me on Instagram and Twitter, um, at Jeff Levecchio, what's up? Um, and, uh, I'll tell you what, working out of other people's gyms and having to be the secondary person in the gym, not the main business, and I had to you know, stay out of others' way, it definitely taught me a lot of things that are very valuable to a strength coach or a trainer. Like the amount of times I've had to think on the fly, like that example I just gave, like it was almost a daily occurrence. And although my heart rate and my sweating amount, my pit stains would just go through (laughs) the roof. And sometimes, you know, I'd get upset, you know, but I couldn't show it to my clients or this or that. Like I learned so many ways to just, you know, think on the fly and do things like that and come up with new exercises or new variations that just made sense to me. And now I'm able to just do what I want in the gym, which, you know, now I've increased my exercise library and the way I do things. And it's, it's definitely been a game changer. It's really cool. There's so much value to just figuring, having to figure it out. Yes. You know, there's so much value into just figuring it out. And that's something that I really want to take on as, as a parent is not the parent a ton parent when needed, but like, I don't know if there's other parents listening to the podcast that have that same mentality, but it's like, I feel, and even at coaching, parenting, whatever, when you tell people to do something in a certain way so much without letting them figure the problem and solution out on their own, being a business owner now and, and an entrepreneur, just having to just figure it out on the fly, like you were saying, oh my God, that's just like, I feel it's so, so good for development in, in anything, business, life, whatever. Dude, totally. And I'm, I'm, I obviously coach hockey and I've had this training company for eight years, but I'm, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to being my own child. But like, if you just always hold someone's hand and tell them what to do, they're not going to be able to figure things out and they're also not going to fail. And I know that you give, you know, you're a professional speaker now and you were, you were had some, uh, you were talking to some teams out in Long Island on Monday and going through your spiel with them. And I know that one of the big things that you talk about in your, in your presentation is resiliency and you can't create and learn resiliency unless you fail. And you can't fail if people are holding your hand doing everything for you in life. So whether it's hockey, I mean, working out, you, you know, you don't want people to fail on a back squat or something. <laughs> that could be dangerous. Um, but you, you know what I mean? Like you, you got to let players fail and, and let, them, let them struggle so that they can learn to be resilient and learn to come back stronger and things like that. So I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's that in in my conversations and in my presentations, especially with the youth teams that I do it with, the one that resonates the most with the players and the parents is the resiliency and also the relationships and talking about how important it is to surround yourself with the right people. And when I do my team building with the youth teams, I always want the parents in the room because I feel like I'm relaying a lot of the things that parents are trying to relate to their kids, but it's like a former college coach and player that is telling them that, (laughs) you know, so it, it resonates a little bit more. Um, and, and yeah, like just being okay with failing and being confident in who you are, no matter who, uh, you know, what social media or what other people tell you, um, and, and just surrounding yourself with the right people. Those are things that are just so important. And, you know, you talk about impact all the time, Vex. And I feel like in my, in my team building stuff with the youth, 
teams, the biggest impact comes with those things because you see the kids walk out of the room with a little bit more of an air to them. You know, they're a little bit more together as a team, smiling a little bit more. And they're also, you can see a little bit of like, cause I speak truths. You know, a lot of, a lot of speakers that go around, it's, it's a lot of fluff, but I, I talk about real life, real things with these kids, especially, you know, at 14, 15, 16 years old, even 13, 14, 15, Hey, look, these are the situations that you're going to be put into, um, in the next three, four years of your life. And these are the people that I've seen that have gone on and here are the choices that they have made to allow them to get to where they want. Like I've had to lose best friends. You know, you've had to lose best friends at that age because we had certain goals and certain aspirations and there's certain people that just don't. And that's okay. That's their prerogative. That's their life. But at the end of the day, if you want to achieve something, you're going to have to make tough decisions and being able to, to speak to these kids with experience and with stories and, you know, using some of the NHL players that I've played with or coached and, and stuff like that with that, it resonates a lot. And I really, really enjoy that. And Long Island, the, the goals team that I did it with over the weekend, it was actually the second time I've been out there. So I went out there earlier in the year and, and they wanted to have me back again. And actually this time I got to go on the ice with them. So I helped run a practice and got to skate with the kids and stuff. And they actually have a Russian coach too. Um, um, so it was a little bit, uh, it what's was little, his name? His name is Boris and, uh, he's an awesome guy. And, and, uh, it, it was, took me back to my past and, and playing for Stan with some of the stuff that he was doing. Um, they don't do somersaults actually. They do log rolls. So the losing, they did log rolls on the ice when they lost. Um, but yeah, man, this team building thing that I'm doing. So if there's any youth teams out there, any youth coaches, youth parents that, that want somebody to come in and, and talk to your kids, uh, about building team and, and building, you know, self-esteem and individual, um, stuff that will make you successful later on. And whether it's hockey or life, I, I'd love to work with you. I get a real kick out of it. I get a lot of, you know, I, I get a lot of, what's the word like self confidence and I, like I just appreciate being able to do that with uh with kids at that age so shoot me an email tofer at the hockey think tank.com I'd, I'd absolutely love to come and work with your team and I and I've seen it and I'm not just saying this because we're cousins or we're podcast partners or you know whatever besties for life none, none of that like what you what you do is very meaningful and I, I you know you came to St. Louis when you were still in the infancy of doing that and it was absolutely unbelievable and the times i've seen it since i've just gotten even better um and yeah you're right man it's such like a it's like a rush to like help kids learn something that you know they're going to walk out of that room or or leave when you leave their their team after two days like they they got a little bit better from whatever you could help them with and uh, we had a big uh, showcase here in st louis this past weekend and um one of the guys who listens to our podcast his name is matthew vandenberg he's a coach for uh the Milwaukee Junior Admirals AAA team, 15U team. And he, Matt listens to our podcast and we talk on Instagram. He's got a great Instagram, by the way. It's uh, the the underscore coach underscore Matt. And he's very inspirational. Um, he's a young, hungry coach. And he just said, Hey, will you come talk to my guys if, it, if the schedules permit? And I was like, dude, absolutely. Like I love doing this stuff. I love helping kids find that, that motivation or find, find know that it's okay to be a Johnny Gohard. Know that it's okay to be a guy who loves 
getting better no matter what it is because you know like you and i like we we got chirped a little bit when we were younger for that and you know we're still working in hockey and we both had pretty good careers and i attribute it to me just not caring what others thought about me and just pursuing my goals at a hundred percent and that's kind of what i talked to him about and i I know what you mean i totally loved helping those kids and you know i was like hey if you guys want a free workout advice follow me on instagram whatever like immediately after like the whole team followed me and oh you had to be so excited about that well, no, dude, I just like helping people, man. <laughs> I'm and, I'm, and, and I gave my speech like, don't follow Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner, whatever her name is. Don't just follow her butt cheeks on Instagram. <laughs> like follow people like your coach, like Topher, like me, like whoever it is that inspires you and, and will teach you new things to, to work towards your goal. And I think that's a big deal in, in helping us older generational players trying to help the next generation, like finding ways to maximize whatever you have in your body. And, you know, I, th- I think that uh, you do a great job with that. Thanks. You too, man. Hey, little bro fest. <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I was- tell you I'll tell you what, I know who else is good at that. And another passionate guy is the, our podcast guest, John Lounsbury. Segway complete. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've known Lounsey through the gel sticks crew when I started work with them a few years ago into my last year into my career. And, um, him and I started joking around over Instagram a lot before we even met because the guy loves movie quotes, just like you and I, oh, yeah. uh, big, big fan of our podcast. And we just started talking about that. And then we were lucky enough to, I was lucky enough to introduce him to you and me to finally meet him and his, his wife who actually worked for Mike Boyle as a trainer at Mike Boyle strength and conditioning in Boston, who we've also had on the podcast. Great episode. If you haven't listened to that one, take a listen. Um, and you know, we all just kind of hit it off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it was, uh, it was cool to get that relationship and, you know, even with the title sponsorship and we've said this on our last couple of podcasts, since we started advertising, um, people that we believe in, like, it's not like the product is great, but it's the, it's the people that we met that are a part of that company is the reason why we wanted to, you know, promote this, this product because they really believe in it. We really believe in it, but those relationships and doing things with people of similar values as us is, was really important. And the fact that we can get Lounsey who like, he's rising in the hockey game right now. You know, his stock is, is getting really high. He's got a lot of really cool things coming as well. Um, he's coaching in college now with Holy Cross and he's got a great company in 11 hockey. And, um, yeah, it was just really cool to get him on here and he's also a guy we talk about too that that you know nothing was given to him and we really have a lot of respect for people like that who had to grind and kind of had to work their way up to to where they are today and his story is still being written as is everybody's but uh it was cool to hear his story cool to hear uh a lot of gel sticks talk i shouldn't say a lot of gel sticks talk but we got to talk a lot about what the stick is and i feel like we haven't done that yet on the podcast so i'm sure a lot of the listeners will be interested in it and how it can help uh, your shot and your hockey game um but yeah just a really cool conversation and uh yeah, he is a, a passionate fellow, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you want to be around people that motivate you, um, tell you the truth, whether it's good or bad. Like, you don't want people in your corner that are just constantly pumping your tires with fake air. Like, that's not a real thing, fake air, but you know what I mean. You got the picture. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like, you, you want somebody that's, that's, 
believes in you, is all in to help you, knows about you, gets to know you, um, can help motivate you, can help you through the good times and the bad times. And I truly believe Lounsey is one of those guys. Like he's just a passionate hockey guy who truly does love helping people. Like he truly, truly loves helping guys get better and girls. So, um, you know, it was kind of, kind of a a match made in heaven between us and him. And, and obviously now he's a partner with Jellistic. So it all just made sense for us, but he's just a great dude. And he has a great story. And, and like you said, he's got a lot of things coming down the pipe here in the hockey world. So it's pretty exciting to have him on at this time. Man, we just pumped his tires a lot. Did we pump him too much? Let's bring him I down a little, a little bit. bit. Lounsey, you're not too tall. You're <laughs> average height. What's um, that movie? He wears, he's like, Preston. No, no, no. I'm, Preston. Like he wears t-shirts sometimes. <laughs> Some of the time. He's kind of tall. He wears like and he t-shirts. Has hair. Yeah. And he has hair. Oh, dude, that's uh, can't oh hardly my, wait. Can't hardly wait. One of my favorite movies. Jennifer of all Love Hewitt. Oh my god, I loved her growing up. She was a babe for the young listeners that are over thirteen years old. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Throw a Google her way. Yeah, great. <laughs> can't hardly wait. Um, yeah, he wears t-shirts some of the time, and he has. Well, he doesn't have too much hair. He has some. <laughs> all right, so now he's back to even. We pumped him. We brought him back down to earth. All great right. Team. Well, let's get over to the conversation. And but before we do, real quickly, again, we want to thank everybody for for tuning into the podcast. Our numbers keep growing, and uh, you know we are so grateful to everybody that tunes in. And and if you could. Uh, just to help us spread the message, shoot us a rating or a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, and actually, we are on Spotify, but we're also on Stitcher now. So Stitcher is another podcast app. Uh, so just uh, just put us on Stitcher as well. So um, and actually, I don't think we've talked about this, but like our anniversary of this podcast was uh, at the beginning of the month in November. So happy a uh, couple weeks late, happy anniversary. It's crazy that this has been an entire year, huh? Dude, wow, yeah, totally forgot about that. I know we were texting about that, but yeah, I still remember doing episode one, just you interviewing me and how awkward I felt like we both were. <laughs> but you know that that first episode, and and also the one we did with you, maybe like six or seven episodes later after we got more comfortable, where I did all the interviewing with you. I think those are two pretty powerful episodes of just people getting to understand why we love helping people and what our journey was in the hockey world, and th- you know we both had some tough times in hockey and the things that we had to go through and we're still here today trying to help that next generation so i can't believe it's been a year and i, I remember when we got to ten thousand downloads and i was like oh my god ten thousand people downloaded our show <laughs> and you know now we're sitting on two hundred thousand. so can't think everyone enough that's listened to us and all the videos we get now you know people are tagging us hey so and so's drinking a protein shake after his game because he listened to you and so and so shooting pucks in their basement because they listen to you guys and like that stuff just makes us want to do it even more so keep those coming keep tagging us spread the word please like we love you guys and thank you for listening and anytime we're in a rink if you see Topher and I please come up and stop us there's nothing cooler for me than to walk into a random rink in Michigan or Minnesota and whether it's a college uh, coach or it's you know just a dad of an eight-year-old and they say you know we, we listen to the show and then i i, I want to talk to you what do you like what do you want to hear more of like that's the stuff we love so thank you everyone from the bottom of our hearts seriously absolutely couldn't have said it better myself so uh let's with that let's get it over to our conversation and without further ado here is john lounsbury we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast all the way from the East Coast, Worcester, Massachusetts, and Boston, Massachusetts. He's all over Massachusetts. John Lounsbury. Lounsy, how you doing today, man? 
good, Tom. How are we doing today? Oh, another good day. We had our first snowfall here up in upstate New York, so uh, it's getting to be wintertime a little bit early, but that's okay. We're going to deal with it, uh, but enough about the weather. Let's talk about the John Lounsbury growing up. You grew up in the great city of Winthrop, Massachusetts, uh, so if you can, just kind of tell us a little bit about your childhood and uh, what mom and dad were like and how they allowed you to fall in love with the game. Awesome. Um Excited to be on, as I say, but uh, the, the great town of Winthrop, Massachusetts. So we all know it as, as the island. Uh, it's a little peninsula off of Boston, um, 17,000 people, a uh, little over a square mile. Uh, so it's a pretty packed house. But uh, we all grew up in the streets, uh, running around with each other. Your, your neighbors are your friends. You, you just had friends all over. And and uh, really fortunate enough to, to grow up around several sets of parents you know my parents were unbelievable um they supported my brothers and i in anything we wanted to do but the great thing about the town is that you were over someone else's house and, and you had parents there and you went down the road you had parents there so everyone kind of looked after each other and you know it was just a just a great experience it's a great little sports town it's we always it's it's home of america's guests we call it mike ruzzoni um, oh, so there you go. A, a rich you know, it's got a rich hockey culture. In the, in the early yeah, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, a lot of the guys in town played at, uh, you know, national championship at RPI, uh, Boston University, Harvard, and so on. So we had such great hockey minds growing up, and it was just a really cool place to grow up, man. Just really special. Sounds like a Disney movie. <laughs> dude, dude it, I was like, it, it is, right? So it's like, it's when when my dad used to yell off the back porch like dinner was ready, you know, and I'd come like screaming, I'd run down the street, get in my neighbor's yard, hop over the fence, and then I was home, you know, and just kind of it was just cool, you know, and there, there was no pressure to you you know you played three sports, you it is the rink shut down in April, so there was no hockey after that, so you just you went on to the next sport. Yeah, that's unreal, man. It it kind of reminds me honestly a little bit of my childhood, and and Jeff, this. I, be interested to get your take because like my entire family cousins aunts uncles all that kind of stuff lived within what like seven miles of each other vex aside from you guys who moved to st louis and i kind of get the same like yeah the same feeling of growing up like there's just so much family around and and i just feel like that's such a like it's such an awesome thing to have and I, i don't have that right now i'm living in new york and my family's all still in chicago and it's a little bit of like you know, you kind of feel like you're missing out on, on some stuff that's happening back home because there's nothing like getting that, like, sense of community um, at all. So, like, Jeff, like, dealing with that growing up, was that something that was, was tough for you? Just Or did you guys find, you know, another community in St. Louis, I, I guess? Yeah, I have no friends. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course, <laughs> man. I mean, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't my family, but, you know, just like Lounsey said, like, I was outside all day, every day, cold, rain, snow hot doesn't matter i'm outside playing street hockey playing laser tag like whatever i mean it obviously i didn't have the disney uh setup that he had like in my head like i'm seeing like an inner city like loungies like dirty running around the streets but having fun with all these families heart of gold type of thing that's what i'm seeing i didn't really have that i was in the suburbs but uh yeah kind of the same idea yeah yeah, it's uh, like it's interesting, man. Like I just actually wrote a blog uh, a, a week ago after Remembrance Day and Veterans Day, and um, one of the books that I read that really made a mark on me is this book called Tribe by this guy Sebastian Junger. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but um, in yeah. the book he talks about. Uh, have you read it, Lonzi? 
I've read it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, okay. So the one thing that he talks about is, um, you know, veterans, uh, suicide rates and PTSD and how obviously it's, it's not where it needs to be. And there's a lot of veterans of war that go through, um, you know, mental health struggles. And one of the biggest things that we think about, like when we think about them going through PTSD and stuff is just like, you know, remember the, the way that we think about it is just like, remember, they remember, um, the battlefield and all the crazy bad stuff that they saw. And that's why they have PTSD. But he was talking about some studies that were done that it's actually not necessarily the reason why why, you know, they feel so, so tough when they get back. It's actually more of the sense that they don't have a sense of community anymore. Like you go and you go to boot camp and you go in the military, you develop this sense of camaraderie um, and togetherness with the men and women that are serving with you. Like these people literally take bullets for each other. Like talk about a brotherhood or a sisterhood that it doesn't get any stronger than that. And then they come back to, to here. And if they don't get a sense of community anymore, which very few people kind of do anymore, like that that is their, um, their trigger for some of their mental health struggles. So I just thought it was a really interesting, um, you know, study that was done and a really interesting kind of like sociological, um, thing. So Lounsey, what, what, what did you kind of take out of that? Yeah. You know what? I, I think it's the same thing. You look at the different communities and guys that you look at the, from even the military perspective and you bring it to, let's say the hockey perspective and, you go away for such a long time and, and we all as players, whether it was whatever in our career, we traveled, right? So, so you went and played certain places. When you come back home and that, that feeling that you have at home, it's, it's different. You know, and when you leave and what I took from that is when you leave and you go into these places and, and you're going overseas and, you know, all you can think about is home, that's your safe place. You know, you think about the good times because it, it's not always fun over there. It's not, you know, you're in war, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you get yourself back to, to home? Right. So, when we travel, I believe homesickness is a thing when people leave for college or whatever. But when you come back to that, that community or that home and it's not the same, it's, it's devastating, right? Because that's all you've thought about, right? So it really changes your mind and perspective. I'm like, well, where am I then? You know? So it's, I don't know, that, that's kind of the way I looked at it through different, I look at things a little differently. But it's huge when you're away for so long and you go back to something and it's like, man, where, where did it all go? You know? Yeah, totally. And I think it also, you know, we talk about culture on this podcast all the time. And um, if you don't have a culture of community within your team, like you're, you're hooped. (laughs) <laughs> like it's not, you're not, you're not going to be accomplishing much. And, and I think that, you know, as coaches, um, we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about community. We don't talk about togetherness and, and being on the same page. Like we, like whenever you guys sit around and talk with coaches, a lot of times I would imagine, cause it's similar with me, you talk about hockey, hockey stuff, skills, systems, you know, all that. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing to winning and development is, is relationships and community. And uh, I, that's why I love talking about this kind of thing on the podcast and always try to emphasize it is because I do think it's, it's that important. It's, it's all, yeah, it's even from, from the, a business standpoint. Like I remember my, my father growing up, you know, always go to the same, every two years he would, he would lease a car, right? So he'd go to the same car dealership, same thing. And I always ask, Dad, what? you know, why don't we get one of these? He's like, son, you'll understand someday, you know? And I'm like, well, I want to understand now. And he's like, you take care of the people that take care of you. And it was always, you know, you went back because he felt that, that sense of trust, that sense of community. So he knew when he went to go see this gentleman that he was being taken care of. They had a relationship. It was an un, you know, it was like an unspoken agreement. He'd show up, they'd be done and kind of go. And, and that's, you know, when you build, you build, like you said, culture and community around that in a business platform, it's, it's, it's huge because it's all it is. You want to trust the person you're working with. And if you're coaching the team, 
when you don't trust your leaders, it's a long year, you know? Or the leaders yeah. don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the leaders don't trust you. 100%. They can, they can tell us that. Yeah, and I, I totally agree, Toph. And, and the, the whole – the reason that I think uh, my head coach and I work really well together just coaching the, the U16s here in St. Louis is that – he's all hockey and thinking all hockey and I'm not thinking hockey. I'm thinking the other way. I'm thinking about culture, about details, about, you know, them as a person. And obviously he thinks about that stuff too, but he focuses more on the hockey and I kind of focus more on talking to them about everything else that goes into being a good person, being a good hockey player, being a good teammate, which then will also make them a better hockey player. I, I believe. Jeff's yeah. like Jeff's like 100%. the Oprah. He's the Oprah of St. Louis AAA uh, youth hockey. <laughs> I'm Richie Cunningham. Yeah. This is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to Ripped, and you can go to Ripped. And you can go to Ripped. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Well, hey, Lounzi, Before I actually want to get into your story a little bit, but I think this is a, yeah, good, yeah. a good segue um, because you are steeped in the Boston hockey culture right now. And of all the people that I talk to, and I talk to people all over the country and even in Canada too a lot, and it seems like Boston is the most messed up <laughs> out of, oh, out of everywhere. Um, and I don't even think there's a close second, man. I think like the Boston culture of youth hockey and specifically elite youth hockey is just it, – it's insane. So if you could – like what's wrong What's wrong? I know one of the things I know is there's so many cooks in the kitchen and so many different people pulling on so many different ways. But like from your point of view, being steeped in it, you know, what, what are some of the things that's really plaguing the Boston system right now? Uh, where do you want me? I can go on forever, but it's like, we, we get it. Like we have to, I know one said this yesterday, it's a business. Okay. So all these club teams, they have to make money to support their ice costs and, and whatever. So let's get that point out of the way with now this business creates rules and like there's, there's a rule with one league and I'm not gonna, I'm not downing anyone here, but it's like two players from a team can't go to another team and, and kids are getting locked out to like change teams. And it might even be as little as, as location. Like, Hey, I'm driving an hour and a half every day to go play for X team. This one's it's closer you know, and it's really the commutes are miserable. My kids not getting up too late for school and all this stuff. And, and they're getting locked out because there's rules that kids can't change teams together or for whatever, which reasons. And, and it's, there's so many different unwritten rules and there's no like tryouts anymore. What, what, what good does it do? Because teams are, teams are pre-picked. So, so parents are running crazy and they're, you know, we're doing tournaments or doing all this stuff to make sure we get looked at for this team coming up, which tryouts are in April. So it's, it's a it's a complete madhouse and it's it's frustrating and you know if parents say well it's in the best interest of the kids well ask the kids let them tell you it's in the best interest of the kids you know I I talked to Brant Bergen earlier and we were talking about podcasts because you had Brant on recently and why don't we have a 13 year old kid on the podcast let's ask him what he feels <laughs> you know like it's like it, it's a madhouse here it's it's unbelievable that's true Jeff maybe we should do that. Yeah, uh, it's probably some safe sport rule against it, but yeah, we can try. <laughs> but it's like you know, it's the I put a, a tweet out on my social media the other day, and the grass is isn't always greener. You know, the the grass is going to be greener where you water it, right? And and that's what. How, how do we talk about? We have we have organizations all over, especially in Massachusetts. They they talk about development, 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 which is getting to be a frustrating buzzword. But it's like, how can we develop if they're going from? 
you know, the red team to the blue team to the white team to, you know, to the, to the Minutemen, whatever. Like, they're going to all these teams, and you get a new coach every year, and you're just kind of – you're going backwards. And I'm a firm believer in that. It's like you don't – that coach doesn't really need to work on. He just worked with Topher Scott for a year. Now you're going to go play for, for John Lonsbury in Boston, and I don't know what, what Topher worked with you with. You know, I don't know what you've developed on all year and what you need to get better at. I'm just going to probably strip you down and try to do it all over again. So, I don't know. So maybe a centralized – theme like what we're trying to do with triple a blues is as we met with the coaches a few weeks ago and we were like all right like we want to have like pillars for our organization like when you when you play for triple a blues like these are the whatever we haven't even come up with it we're just in the initial phases like this is what we're focusing on like being a good person like that's obviously one of the biggest ones and then like from hockey like what's going to be a couple of the pillars and how do we go through these and then at every age you go up whether you have the same coach or a different coach every coach is at least preaching those whatever four to six pillars every single year and we're always focusing on those and then whatever the coach wants to work on on his own also obviously he'll bring to the table as well well that's that's the issue that i see and that's not just in boston but i gotta imagine in boston it's even worse is like organizations don't have organizational philosophies like very very few do it's typically youth hockey organizations are you know it's a it's a unified organization in name only and then there's a parent or a coach and usually it's a parent that just owns an age group and then they do whatever the hell they want right so it's like there's no continuity there's no development model there's no development plan um it's just one dad or mom or coach that just tries to recruit everybody because their kid is on the team and they want their kid's team to be the best. And then there's, there's no, you know, there's no structure to it. And it's, I think that's like one of the biggest problems of youth hockey is that there's no development of the coaches. There's no, um, you know, structure for organizations that are in place where you can teach the coaches and get everybody on the same page and stuff like that. And, uh, that, that needs to change. And that, that falls on, you know, that doesn't fall on USA hockey or anything that falls on the people who are running these organizations. Uh, couldn't agree more, especially the coaching, the coaching point, teaching the coaches is that's where, that's where it all starts. But I think, I think this all ties back to our original conversation, right? About, about community and all that stuff. Cause that's the first question you asked. Like, tell me about where you grew up, but find me, I can walk around. I can go to any rink here in Massachusetts and, and I want to find an owner, an organization that can go in and knows 90% of the kids that walk through this rink. You know, it gets on the ice and was like, hey, Timmy, hey, hey, Jennifer, what, you know what I mean? It has that, like, that old school, like, even like the old, you'll go in the old Italian restaurants, you could go in and, and Vinny knows everyone's name and he walks in, he hasn't seen you in 20 years. And he's like, <laughs> hey, what's going on? But that's, but that's what people, there's not, it's, it's everyone, the biggest buzzword you hear around here, because it's a it's buzzword, the buzzword, but like money grab, right? So it's like, well, they just want to grab money. Well, yeah. You know, there's a lot of different answers to that, but where's the sense of, of you spend, I mean, you got to be at the rink an hour before practices, if you get dry land, you got practice half hour after. So as parents, you're at the rink for two and a half hours. As players, you're there for two and a half hours. Like you're, you should be, you know, I'm not saying spend 24 hours a day at the rink, but like you should know your, your families, you should know your, your clientele. Right. And, and that, that's going to help sustain people coming back. And that, that'll stop a little bit and deter a little bit of that. Like, why go to another organization that treat us great here? My kids get better. The coaches have fun. Like, that's little things. Those little things. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's crazy. I actually I had somebody email me um, last week um, just about some advice, you know, regarding going to a different organization. And in, and in my opinion, like these people, like they're too young to even be having these conversations yet. But it was like, hey, like I got a chance. There's this person who's, you know, really polished and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're not necessarily recruiting, but they're quote unquote recruiting our kid to be over at that organization. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with the organization? That's five minutes from your house. Is it, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's sometimes I feel like we overthink things and, um, and again, it is, it's, there is a huge problem of like FOMO and the grass is greener on the other side, like you guys were saying. And I think if people just simplify the youth hockey process and understand that from, you know, three years old, if that's when you want to start your kid until probably 13 or 14, like you just got to make sure that they love the game, just make sure they're having fun. And then let everything else take care of itself from there. My dad right. always said to me, like he said three things. I, I think he probably started saying it to me in like seventh grade when I started playing triple A and I wasn't playing very much my first year. And anyone who listens to podcasts knows that. And he'd always say, you want to be good at something, hard work, patience and more hard work. That was my dad's only advice to me ever. Hard work, <laughs> patience, more hard work, and then you'll get where you want to go. You know, like, and I was just like, more people need to focus on that and less on the little Johnny's got to play here, little Johnny's got to play here. We have a kid on our U16 AAA team which played double A his whole career, Central States last year. He's one of the most skilled 16-year-olds I've ever seen. He's a smaller kid, never played triple A, never really worked out even. Not He's not very like strong um, like in his body yet. And this kid just sees the game well, and he stops on a dime, and he makes these plays where kids that we've had playing triple A for five years couldn't even think about making. So it's like – I look at that and I'm like, man, like maybe we don't need to play AAA so early. I'm sure my organization won't like hearing that. But, you know, like it's just focus on you having fun, working hard, getting better every day and loving the game. Like we always say. Amen. Passion goes along. Passion goes along with like I grew up there and my story is not fantastic, but I never played anything outside. I think I played a year of travel hockey when I was when I was 13. You know, I played youth hockey. I played winter youth hockey, and my coaches kind of stayed the same all the way, but I was fortunate enough where I had one coach that played at BU, another one was an All-American at Harvard, and I just were with them every year, and I played youth hockey. I played high school hockey. I went a year of prep school and then went on, you know? So That's awesome. I feel like, yeah, man, I feel like um, there is a certain piece of luck of the draw as a kid based upon the coaches that are in the organization that you're involved with. You know, Definitely. like you look at even in St. Louis, Jeff, that one year when Keith Kachuk was the coach and Al McInnes and those guys, like look at how many players they've developed that are first yeah. round draft picks and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, just as a kid, and maybe that's why it is so crazy and people want to move around all this kind of stuff because there's so many coaches out there and nobody knows how to navigate that waters. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, there is an element of luck for sure. Like John, you're talking about like, the guys that coached you I feel like I feel very lucky about the coaches I had too right that was such a it's such a big piece of of everything and everything that we do and and now you're watching the guys that are traveling to the rink for an hour and a half to get a certain coach to play for a certain coach and we're taking away kids from being kids like yeah. that's an hour and a half you could be still playing street hockey or doing whatever so it's just such a huge 
it's a huge, crazy toss up. And, and, you know, I think as if kids really love something, they're going to develop regardless of where they are and what they're doing. It's gotta be, it's a passion. Sports are a passion project. If you're passionate about it, you're going to get better. Yeah. And that's where, you know, coach is always talking about, Tof's always talking about coach education, continuing to help coaches learn and get better. And not that he's right or we're right or you're right or whatever, but like, you know, listening to people who kind of know what they're talking about and surround themselves with higher level thinkers and learn from them. Like younger coaches can do the same thing. Like Tof just put together a package on this, on his hockey think tank uh, website where coaches can have access to like all these webinars and all these things to learn from him, from NHL people, from pros, from college people, like those type of resources are out there. So like if you're an organization and you want to keep your kids, make your coaches better so that the kids want to play for the coach. And what's a way to do that? Sending them to do continuing education and learn from people who are, uh, you know, smarter than than me, like Tove and shameless plug. Uh, go buy his uh, stuff online. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I believe a subscriber, in it. so I'm a subscriber, so I believe in it. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it's it is, huge. man. Like for me, coaching and parent education are the two biggest needs in youth hockey today, and and I don't think there's even a close second after those two. Or close third, I guess you should say. Like it's, um, I think you bring up a great point. Like if you educate your coaches in your organization, then people aren't going to want to leave. Right. So yeah. true. Better so, product. Yeah, for sure. Why well, would you? It, it, it... Yeah. Good. No, that's. It. I was just going to move on. So if you had a point, go ahead. <laughs> nope. Let's go. We we beat it. We beat it. It's done. <laughs> hey, did, I tell, did I tell you I got my hair cut today for this podcast to make sure I look good? Uh, what it take two minutes? You're you're getting a little thin on top, baby. <laughs> Nothing. Didn't like it. That's hurtful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, well, Lonzi, let's let's cheer it up a little bit here then, and uh, and talk a little bit about your career and you know kind of going through your career both as a player and and as a coach as well. I mean. One of the things that we really respect about people um, in in this industry is people that kind of like work for what they got and and kind of grinded and had to move up levels and move up levels. And you kind of had that at both your playing and your coaching career. So is that something that, you know, you really think about when it comes to your development as a, both a player and a coach? And is that something you kind of take to heart? It's something I definitely think to heart because it all came down. What it all comes down to is that I, I didn't have guidance, it, it, not in a bad way. Like my parents loved and supported me. They did everything they could. I had guys like Mike and Jody. I had all this stuff. And I just didn't. Someone was like, hey, go play here. Go do this. And I just was like a happy kid. I went and played here. I did this. And I played soccer. I played baseball. I, you know, whatever I could. And, and I, I did a year. Someone told me, said, hey, why don't you go do your prep school? And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of how it went. And, and I toured prep schools, and I went to a school called Bridgeton Academy. It was a postgraduate school, and I I developed so much as a hockey player. Like there was, at the time when I played prep school hockey, like we had, I think that my my year of prep school hockey, we had ten guys playing the NHL from our senior class, not from my school, but our our senior class, like Boyle and Kavanaugh and guys like that. And so I was competing every night against. You know, Cushing Academy, who had 23 Division One committed kids Yikes. from like Colorado College to Denver to BC to, you know, so it's, and I had a very good year and I was in the top five of, 
prep school scoring and it kind of went on all these visits and I went to the University of Southern Maine and I got to school and my coach called me to the office and he said, John, he said, uh, I really thought I was, I it was getting cut. You know, he called me down. I just gotten into school a little late, later than most kids. And he's like, uh, I won't say it on the podcast. He's like, you got guts. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got guts. It's like, what do you need me to do? He's like, good. You're playing defense. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're going to play defense. And he said, coach, I had like 70 points last year. And I said, but whatever you need me to do, I'm all in. Like, I'll do it. And he's like, I don't need you to skate backwards. He goes, when you skate forwards with the puck, just catch people on the way back. Wow. <laughs> so, so I'm laughing. I'm like, this is, this is real life. So once I get that real life, like that laugh, man, he's like, I guarantee you by the time you graduate, you're going to be an All-American. And I said, what? And he said, I guarantee you by the time you graduate college, you're going to be an All-American. My senior year, I got the call. I was an All-American. So it was the coolest, like, turn-back experience I've, I've ever had. So let me ask you this. So how much of you succeeding as a defenseman was attributed to the stuff that you knew playing as a forward? 300% of it, because I knew how to play against forwards. I knew how to – but I, it was so much easier because I saw the ice. I saw everything about it. It was fun. Like, it was a challenge for me. And any, any time I've been presented with a challenge in, in business or work or hockey, I've just kind of risen to the occasion. It was so much easier. Interesting. So, like, what are some, like, because, I mean, I, see, I feel like that is kind of something that a lot of higher level people in youth hockey are, are pushing right now is obviously playing positionless hockey, which we talked to Brant about for a long time and, and playing different positions growing up. You know, what are some tangible things that you think um, you learned as a forward that allowed you to be a better defenseman? I think the, the tangible things is that I, I have the mind as a forward. So everything I knew growing up was how you attack the zone, how you attack the defense and how you attack the net. So I just looked at it. What would, what would I do? You know, how would I approach this scenario? So I learned to take rushes. I learned to take three on twos on what, what I would do. And again, I, I wasn't an elite player by any means, but that's, I can't think about what would Wayne Gretzky do? What would Mario Lemieux do? It's like, I have to think about the now and the reality of it. So I, I get to understand like what I did. So it was, you know, it was an easier way to like, I would find ways to knock down passes. I would find ways to, to compete underneath because I would just get put myself in a scenario as a forward. So it was really cool to, to have that ability to change because it just, it opened up the game of hockey for me because it wasn't, I didn't ever get away with being the most elite player on the ice, but I always thought I had a really good hockey mind, which has had, giving me success now you know so it's it was really cool i think i think all all kids maybe up to like i mean we've talked about this like tof just said about about positionless hockey and how that might be a thing in the future there might be no more positions other than on face-offs or something but like just having kids play every single position like if i'm a youth coach up to like 13, probably maybe 12. Like I want every kid playing every position. I don't care. Like I want them all to get that experience because it is way different coming back. Uh, the puck's dumped in my end and I'm coming back as a forward. What I do, what I see, where I skate, how I position my body is completely different than what a D man is doing. What a D man's doing is completely different than a forward. What a center's doing is different than a winger. So like having, having the ability to do all that stuff like you just said, then you could kind of like, 
all right, later in life, oh, yeah, I'm going to draw on my experience. I know the D-man's going to go back, and he's going to want to do this because I used to do that when I was a D-man, and I know that's the pattern he takes. So now if I move six feet this way, he'll be able to pass it to me a lot easier. You just understand more about what's happening on the ice and where a player might want to go because you understand the patterning more. That was very good, Jeff. Hey, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was very good stuff. Um, okay, well, moving on. I want to move on a little bit because there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about, Lounzi. And, uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, you, you're coaching at uh, Holy Cross right now, um, which is awesome, and they have a great staff there that you're working with. Um, but one of the levels that I wanted to ask you about is you were the head coach of, of Walpole in the EHL. And I feel like yep. that level of hockey, and and we've you know we've discussed it a little bit on this podcast, but I have a few questions for you because I feel like it's maybe it's misunderstood. But you you even used the word money grab before, and I feel like a lot of people think that tier three junior hockey is is a money grab, and maybe like kids should just go to school and not pay so much money to play hockey and stuff. So um, that's, I feel like that's a pretty prevalent opinion about it, but you obviously did it. So I wanted to hear what your take was on that and what your experience was like coaching at that level. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I think it's all on where, who you surround yourself with, um, where you play. I mean, I, I wouldn't go out to the Midwest to play two or three hockey because there's four schools out there. Right. So, so having the ability to play the Eastern Hockey League, for one, did a great job. Marketing, branding, their identity as a league. We weren't out there with smoke and mirrors saying, like, we're going to, everyone's going Division One. Or, you know, we did this and that. Like, we knew we were a Division Two, Three league uh, and what we did. And and I took pride in that. You know, I always took pride in anything I, I kind of did. And, and my job was to to get players to, to come to Walpole because we had three schools, 50 schools within three hours of us. Okay, so within those schools, like, it, we play on Wednesday afternoon games, we play Friday afternoon games, we have the opportunity to come down. And I never promised a player, you know, you're going to play Division One or whatever, but I always promised them, I said, no matter what happens, I am going to fight nickel and dime for you to go to the school that you want to go to. You know, so it's, it's a process, you have to trust me, I have to trust you, so it's you know, for kids that are looking at that avenue, it's great to come out east because of the exposure in the schools. It's the hardest thing to recruit because no one wants to play tier three hockey. Everyone wants to play in the USHL, the North American League, and it's it was a fight every night, you know. But the competition was good. The relationship we we built with the coaches and the kids that we had move on. I mean, I stuck five or six division one kids to the cracks. I told you my first conversation with you. You called me on a kid named Brian Nelson who ended up at UConn. Yeah. It was a six four defense. It was the first time we ever talked. I remember. So, you know, it's just kind of it, it's there. There's players everywhere. So it's making sure that you build a name around yourself and and your organization that you're you're there for the players. And I don't think enough teams in the tier three level do that. And and that's where it gets such a bad rap. So it's it's hard. It's such a hockey, such a messed up world right now in that sense. You know. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think hockey is so unique in the sense that um, you do get until you're 20, 21 years old to figure out what you want to do for college. And I think that's such a uh, such a great thing. But I think you make an, an awesome point that make sure if that's the route you want to go, like if you want to continue to pursue that dream of playing college hockey, whether that's Division One or Division Three, based upon your talent level, 
make sure you do your homework <laughs> on, on the teams that you're going to because there are a lot of money grabs out there. And there certainly are plenty of teams that do it the right way and move kids along and all that kind of stuff. So I think the biggest right. thing is just making sure you're, you're being educated on, on where you're sending your kid. And if you're using an advisor, what kind of relationships they have with certain junior teams that might be able to or not be able to place your kid as well. Because I would imagine at that level, you, you know, you probably talk to a lot of advisors that are helping kids out maybe after prep school or, or after high school that's just that that still want a place to play yeah it, it is not though it, it's we we certainly did but the greatest compliment i've ever had as a coach and i've been very blessed in my coaching career and all that stuff was i never had to go out of the way to recruit kids because all of my former players would do the recruiting for me with their stories their their achievements their their collegiate goals being achieved the experience they had with me as a coach. So it was easy to say, Hey, should I go play in Walpole? And they were like, hell yeah. You know? So like, that's better than anything I've ever accomplished. That's meant the most. Well, that goes right back to uh, your story from when you were a child and your dad said, one day you'll get it. Your dad kept going back to that rental car guy because he took care of him and he did a good job. And it was, it was, you know, he, he did right by your dad. And it's the same thing as as you for your players. And Toph, I want to hit on something that I feel like I've talked about on the podcast before, but I can't remember. I get this question all the time from like nervous parents uh, uh, whose kids are playing, you know, midgets and are like, oh, well, like we want them to play juniors, but like college is big for us. We want them to go to college. And what if he what if he goes to juniors and doesn't make it to college? And I'm like, will college still be there? Is college still going to be a thing in two years? Yes. Okay, well, will he have an opportunity like this ever again the rest of his life to play junior hockey um, this high of a level uh, if he doesn't get a scholarship and and all the life life lessons he's going to learn? Like school will still be there. School's not going anywhere. College will not go anywhere. Once you stop playing hockey, it's done. It's over. You never have a chance again. Yeah. <laughs> so whether whether you're going to play tier three, tier two, tier one, whatever it is, a if you love hockey and you have the means to play it, like go play it. First of all, school will be there, and then two, you never know what could happen. Even if you start out at that tier three level, maybe the next year you move up to tier two, then the third year you move up to tier one. Now you got D three schools talking to you. Now you got ACHA um, schools talking to you that might be able to offer you some kind of financial aid. Maybe you got D one. Like you don't know. All you can do is go there and put in the time, the effort, and the work. And whether you quote unquote make it to college hockey or not, if you do those things, you'll become a better person and learn how to, t- if you want something to like go after it and put your all into it, which will serve you in life after hockey. Yeah, no, totally. And I have, I actually have a piece of advice for the parents that are a little wishy-washy about it. And I, th- I honestly think if you're a parent, make your kid pay for some of their junior hockey, if they have to pay for it, huh. then you'll yep. know if it's truly a passion of theirs and if they really want to do it. You know, even I honestly, even if you have the means to be able to, to pay for it, make your kid pay for some of it. Make them get a job um, that they have to do something because when you're playing junior hockey, I mean, it's basically you're an hour or two, maybe three at the rink, and then you got the rest of your day. So it's also a good thing to do something outside of hockey, but also if it's something that they want to do, make them pay for a little bit of it. You know, 25% or 10% or something like that. What do you think, Lounsey? They want to go something crazy because I'm more of like a, a stat guy too. I think you're spot on. I think it's awesome. But to Vex's point as well, is that 42% of 
of males, 42% of males in the U.S. don't graduate college. Really? People who take a gap year, people who take a gap year, whether it's going to a prep school or going playing hockey or doing whatever, the graduation rate for U.S. males goes up to 66%. So imagine sending your kid to school and he goes for three years and you spend $140,000 and he's like, yeah, I'm peace out, I'm done, I'm over it. You know, because that maturation rate for males is so much later. So now they're taking that gap year and they're growing up and they're learning to live on their own. They're doing their own laundry. That maturity piece is growing on them. Hopefully they have a good coach to push them that way. Now they're going to school. They're kind of ready for school. When you're 19 years old, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go and kind of get back in attack. And that's why their graduation rate, that's why hockey team, college hockey teams especially saying, hey, our graduation rate is X. And I think it has a big thing to do with the guys taking that gap year. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I took a gap year, Jeff. I think you took a gap year too. I mean, it's, I, I, I think it was huge for me anyway, like just from a maturation standpoint. And, um, it's, I mean, when you're a year older, you got a year more experience. It's a year more things that you learn and, and you're able to, to better use that to, you know, college cause college, it kind of punches you right in the face. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy. And it, it, there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of life experiences that you have to learn real quick. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm a That's a, that's a great stat lounge. Was it 40 something percent? If you go right in and 66, if you take a gap year, carry the yep. seven, tough. Yep. <laughs> carry the so. carry the two, yeah. Did I hear a niner in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but on top of that too, like, and I tell all my guys who are going to juniors who are uh, who have graduated high school and are going to play juniors, I'm like, what do you have so much of during this year? And the answer is time. Like, you can get your ass in the gym, practice, and take a good nap. Which sleeping is massive for recovery, as we've talked about before. During the day, whereas if you're in high school or you're in college, you're not going to have that kind of time on your hands. So, like, depending on when your practice is, you could shoot pucks in the morning, take a nap, get to the rink early, work out and practice all in the day. And you're still getting good sleep. You're able to do that day after day after day. So you have way more time on your hands to work on your own personal development to get better. If you so choose, if your goal is to be the best you can be. So use that time. If it is a gap year, you have tons of time. Use it to get better. And you, you could probably get way better than a kid who's in high school and has to go to school for the whole day, then practice, and he's gassed. So that's just another advantage to that as well. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree more. For sure, man. And and you got to appreciate, again, do your homework on the coaches too because, like, you know, Lounsey invested in his, his players. And he had me – I did a distance team building uh, with his team that hopefully went really well for you guys. <laughs> I know talking, I think yeah, it was our, all right, our, but <laughs> – you, you turned around our year. You know, it really did. And it's not a cliche thing, but the guys that are listening, that Topher, he did a, a Skype team build with our guys, and they were just so receptive to it. And they were so – it was just – it was great. And – you know, it's just a test of the things that you're doing, you know? Well, thanks, man. I mean, it's also a testament to what you're doing too, because like, I feel like when you're a coach, you have to work, like you have to work to get better and you don't always know everything. And when you invest in, in, it doesn't even have to be team building. It could be investing in books or it can be investing in, you know, calling somebody that's, uh, you know, that knows a little bit more about something that maybe you don't know about. But I feel like the coaches that invest in themselves and invest in their teams like you did, I mean, I, those are the people that you want to play for. Like, if, if you're going to go and play for a person that is just checking, you know, like punching the time clock is I have to be here and this is how I make my money, like, you're not going to get better. 
and that's not going to be a great experience. Like parents, kids, like when you're searching for coaches, make sure you're asking those questions, especially of these junior coaches of like, Hey, what are some things that you've done to really invest in the players on your team? And how Ask, do you listen to the hockey think tank podcast <laughs> powered by gel sticks? Powered by us. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, well, we certainly will get to gel sticks in a second, but before we do get there, um, you know, we had mentioned that we have a lot of respect for people that really pay their dues and, and work their way up the ladder. And, uh, you know, now you're coaching at, at Holy Cross, but you also have a, a hockey development company, 11 Hockey. So I wanted to ask you about that, like where you kind of got the genesis of, of thinking about doing it, why you're doing it, and kind of some of the things that you're, you're doing with this development company as well. Just to educate, Tulsa. I mean, I, I wish I would say I could make a million dollars off it, but um, I have a lot of video clients that I do – you know, one-on-one video with about their game and, and all that stuff. And I think the best part is that I just get to help them see it from a, from a different, different level, you know, and that's where I I guess help at Holy Cross the most is I'm not a guy that needs to be on the bench because I'm a guy that that's pretty cerebral about the game. So I see it differently and I think about it differently. So I love being up top and being on the headset and being able to kind of talk and, and get down and, and do little things like that. But so my, my 11 hockey company just started as just kind of educating people and throwing some NHL clips out there, putting them on the internet. And then it just kind of grew. And again, having more clients to, to get, now we started getting on the ice with more clients to do video with. And I'm on the ice all the time. And to, to my downfall, it's, it's what I do. It's, it's what my passion is for the whole development piece, which is whatever I can do to help a kid get better, to achieve a goal. I'm in. And, you know, does it take some time away from my family and stuff at times? Yeah, it does. And it's never always the easiest bid, but, you know, whatever I can to educate kids on the game and how they can get themselves better to reach their goals, that's what it's all about, right? That's awesome, man. Well, hey, let me ask you this. You mentioned it. So Jeff and I love talking hockey with people that quote unquote, like you just said, think about the game differently. And, you know, we've, I think we've had quite a few people on this podcast that, that do, and it's been some of the most stimulating conversations that we've had. And from our feedback from the listeners, um, I think that's been great feedback. So when you say that you think about the game differently, gener- maybe this is too generic of a question and maybe we can talk through it, but like, what does that mean? And, and how do you think about the game differently that maybe you can teach me and the people listening about yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Maybe a tough one for me to answer, but I say I think about the game differently because I've never coached to strictly win. Um, I believe that culture and camaraderie, obviously good players is number one. You've got to have good players. So, but my teams have always had success because the way they're built off the ice and the way they look at the game. So I try to get people – outside of their comfort zone and to look at the game different than anybody else. And I, I use a, a lot of analogy based things. I use things that are, I make people kind of go, Oh, all right. That makes sense. And it's not teaching it any different than anyone else is, but how can I get into Topher Scott head? So I, he can understand what we're talking about because I can sit on a, any, any coach can sit on a, on a dry erase board and they can sit and do video. It doesn't mean they're, the kids are being receptive to it just because they're looking at it, you know? So it's <clears throat> what I say, see it differently. is how do I, I break down things we need to try to do into the smaller, smaller parts of the game. So right now at Holy Cross, we're, you know, we're struggling with 
are getting our guys to middle lane drive. As simple as that. We're a Division One college hockey team that's had some great success. So now we're breaking it down to like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to, you know, we're going to make you go here and do this. But we really compartmentalizing the game. But it's also teaching kids cues. So, um, you know, we talk about how, you know, we maybe do a, a, a defense forward exchange when he rolls up the wall. Like, at what point in time do you know when you can go and when you can't go? And if you start teaching the kids the little details of, of timing, the game gets easier, right? So I, I guess a, a mix of that and just analogy-based stuff, it, it's been very successful. And my craziest analogy I always talk about, and I had a great conversation with a, an NHL guy about it, was Patrick Kane. I mean, we can argue that he's not the most elite puck handler in the league, right? Wait, that so, he's not? That, no, that, he, that he's, he is, right? He's oh, I was, okay, I was like... Uh... Is, he not, sorry, is he not the most elite? Ah, uh, okay. All right, so now I'm going to ask you guys, have you ever seen Patrick Kane get blown up? No. No. All right, so that, every kid first answer, yes. Uh, the answer is no. Probably, yes, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But when he enters his own or he flies down the ice, he's always looking somewhere else. He's in control of the puck. He's going down the ice. If he's down the right wall because he plays his off wing, he's looking into the middle of the ice. If I'm trying to defend Patrick Kane, I can't be aggressive on him because I don't know what's going on behind me. He's selling that something's going on behind me, so I'm hesitant to jump on him because he's going to make that pass in an instant because that's where he's looking at it, right? And the kids are like, yeah, I get it. I said, okay, we'll go one step further. So, Coke, you and Vex don't know me, and I'm standing outside in the parking lot, and I'm staring up at the sky. What are you going to do? You're going to walk by me. You're going to look at me. You're going to look right up at the sky, and then you're going to look at me again, and then you're going to keep walking about your day. <laughs> I'm going to do that today. I'm going to go stand outside the store, and I'm just going to walk around, and like, looking up at the sky like, oh, Oh. <laughs> it's, it's amazing dude i'm telling you just in the gym and people like you can do anything you can look down at the ground like people are going to come and they're going to because they don't they want to know what you're looking at so if you're you watch patrick kane flying around the ice they're like what is he and it's in your mind so you can't step and try to blow him up because he's just going to lay that puck out to somebody else that's coming in hard you know right so i like, like that those little little analogies that get crazy and i people are like you're crazy i'm like no maybe but does it work? And they're like, unfortunately it works. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> Yeah. So it's all about, and, and I, I've talked about this for sure on the podcast and anytime, you know, I've made a mistake in the gym and I say mistake where I tell a client, and again, this is an analogy, which I, which I like that you say that you use those. I, I'll say, Hey, I want you to do this. And then they do it. And it's not what I want. Well, I always will then self-reflect immediately and go, all right, I'm not mad at you that you didn't do what I said. I need to change the way that I've worded it or demonstrated it or whatever, because it's not what I say as the strength coach or as a hockey coach or as a friend or a husband or whatever it is. It's how you perceive it, how my audience perceives what I say. So I need to find a different way to get my point across so that you can understand what I want and, and what I want you to do. And the other thing you talked about, I really like is cues. And I always think about that article told that you had, um, Robbie shrimp. One of, one of the guys who's on our podcast, one of the most skilled players I've ever seen or played against. And he just <laughs> talked about something so simple and it was watching the D man's toe caps as the half wall guy in the power play. 
not his chest, not his stick, watching his toe caps. Because wherever his toe caps go, that's where his body's going to go. And I was like, holy shit. Like, uh, like the littlest thing, like look down just a little bit further and where his toe caps are, like that's where he's anticipating. That's where he's thinking. That's where his body's going to go. And like that's just a little cue to where when you can teach that, now kids or, or players or pros or whoever will, will see things differently and, and use it and become a better player. It's amazing how little things outside of, of the thinking, you know, just it's sometimes it's just thinking differently. We all have the hockey's been around for over a hundred years, right? Is that right? Is that right? Is it the hundredth year of hockey or whatever? I have no I'm idea. Not... That's a long time. All right. Let's just say, let's all agree to that. What's up with this? Yeah. Yeah. John, it's a hundred years. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now that we've all agreed to that, but the game's been the same for a hundred years, right? So, all the teaching aspect is, is that everyone can recreate this proverbial wheel. We just have to recreate how we get through to kids because it's a different time, right? So it's, that's the most important thing. If, if you can get through to 20 kids on your team, I can see, consider yourself to be a damn good coach. That's awesome. Well, even uh, even like furthering kind of, Jeff, what you were saying um, about like – when I was at Miami, one of the big things in my academic program, my sports studies program, was the interpretation of what the coach is saying. So as a coach, a lot of times you say something and you just like leave it at that and you think it gets through and it's like, oh, they understand. But a lot of times what the kids interpret about what you're saying is completely different than what you're trying to say. And so that's, I mean, it just kind of circles back to everything that we're talking about right now. And like, you need to make sure that you are building a relationship with a player where you're kind of knowing how to get to them. And so they're interpreting in the right way, what your message that you're trying to send. And the only way that you can do that is through like just communication, like communication as a coach with a player over communicating, <laughs> over communicating, right. over clarifying, um, asking questions. Do you understand? What did I say? I mean, not necessarily to that extent, but like, Hey, like what, what did you take out of our conversation? And that's something that we used to do at Cornell because a lot of times we would have a meeting with a player and we can give that player, um, let's say we give them 10 lines Nine of those lines were positive, like you're doing a great job, and one of those lines was negative in terms of something they needed to do better. And what was it that they came out of that meeting thinking about? Which line the neg- was it? The negative. It was always the negative. So we started doing a thing where we'd be like, at the end of every conversation, it was like, all right, what are you taking out of this meeting? And then they would say whatever it was, and it, we would say, okay, good, because that's the message we wanted to get across. Or, whoa, 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 hold on, let's let's – bring this back a little bit because that's not what we were trying to get across. Like, so I just, the interpretation is, is, is a huge part of communication and getting on the same page as your players. Right. hundred percent. So, um, okay, cool. Well, you know, you obviously got a lot of stuff going on in the hockey world right now in terms of on ice product and on ice development and coaching and stuff, but you also have, uh, some pretty cool things going on off the ice with gel sticks. And, and we appreciate your guys' support for a lot of the stuff that, that I've been doing here with the hockey think tank from, you know, our conference to now sponsoring our podcast and stuff like that. And, um, so you just want to kind of give you the floor to, to kind of tell our listeners, uh, just a little bit about who gel sticks is, what gel sticks is and, and, uh, where they can find you as well. Yeah, no, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing story. If you, you got a couple seconds to, to strap on and listen, but we, uh, 
Josh Miller and Jason Silver, you know, you know, Silvey. Josh played in the NFL for, for 13 years. He won a Super Bowl here with, uh, uh, with New England. Uh, I think that the year they beat the Eagles, the first one. And, uh, Jason worked for the Steinberg group as a, the very quarterback heavy agency. Uh, so he was a, <clears throat> he was an NFL sports agent. So Jason and Josh had knew each other and they had started a company and Josh had come up with this idea of weighted hockey sticks. And they took this idea. They found a patent. Well, they made a patent of this polymer gel that we put inside the hockey stick. And Josh's first thing was, hey, I know Mike Ruzioni. I'm going to call Mike, and we're going to take this to him, and we're going to see what he thinks. Right? So when that happened, Mike Ruzioni, who – name drop time, right? So <laughs> – Mike Ruzioni has been a longtime family friend. He's been a father figure to me. Like I've known that like every single, the ins and outs of, of that family have been so great to me. And so Mike calls like, well, well, if you're going to come up, you, you got to meet John, Donna, Donna, my wife, she'll make, she'll make dinner. She'll come up. And it's like, he's very animated guy. He's so excited. So that's how I get drugged into the drug into this whole mix. So Jason and Josh flew up and, Mike had him over and, and Mike called and said, you got to get here. They're in the backyard. They got the sticks going. So I show up and Jason and Josh are there with what we now have is gel sticks. So I picked it up. I fooled around with it. And I was like, Hey, this is, this is pretty cool. Like exactly the words I said. And I kind of, you know, shot some balls around the backyard and that all ended. And a few weeks later, Jason flew back up and he's like, you know, what do you really think? Is it cool? And I'm like, no, this is, you got something. Because that day they went on to Boston University and um, they met with Coach Quinn and Quinny loved it. So he bought everyone a BU gel stick. And then I don't think it was much longer where she got the New York Rangers job and he got them all for the Rangers. And that kind of started the trend of these college hockey teams, getting them and getting them. And um, we met a guy, Chris Reel, uh, who reached out to Jason uh, via LinkedIn and he's like, hey, I represent Cam Atkinson and his intellectual property and his branding and all that stuff. This might be really cool for that. So, of course, Jason gets on a plane, hops on a plane. Now he meets Cam. So now we have a Super Bowl winner. We have Jason, who is in the agency group. We have the no-name myself. <laughs> and, and, we have, and we have now Cam Atkinson. So Cam joins the group. So we're going, and, and I'm very close with a, one of the New England Patriots here, Steve Goskowski. He's the kicker for the Patriots that's won a few Super Bowls and uh we're out to dinner one night and he's like oh I can't believe you and Josh met up because Josh was his holder at the his rookie year and I'm like yeah and he's like it seems like a pretty cool idea can I get in I'm like what he's like yeah I want to join your team so I'm like all right you call Josh and that kind of started so that's our group of of five individuals so you have a you got four Super Bowl rings you have an NHL all-star you have a, a former player agent and me. <laughs> so, so the product's grown uh, tremendously. It's, you know, it's a, it's a weighted, tra- it's a weighted hockey stick. So for, for the listeners, your, your stick as a senior stick is 395 to 400 grams. Ours is two and a half times the weight of that. Uh, but the gel allows the stick to maintain the integrity of the flex. So if you use a 77 flex, if you use an intermediate 60, if you have a youth stick, that's 40 flex, we mirror those same things and it gives the ability for, for kids to, to kind of get into their flex and train and 
it's been such a fun thing because we've got over 200 guys in the NHL using our stick. We have 60 men and women Division One hockey teams. We have the Division Three guys are getting in. We just launched golf. We just launched lacrosse. Like it's been just such an amazing adventure and scary at the same time. You, you dump everything into it and you're like, man, here we go. You know, and, and it's it's just been uh, it's been a whirlwind. And now we have the, the women's U.S. team, the 18, the 22, the national team getting on board and getting up. And, the U.S. National Development Program, the 17s and 18s. We have we have vets using them. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? So it's, <laughs> it's been it's been that's you know you're laughing. You know, the biggest thing to hope is like everyone everyone wants to poke a hole in your idea, right? Why can't you just tape pucks to it? No, you can. Why can't I just use a wooden stick? No, you can probably do that too, right? So. The big thing, am I talking too long? Am I getting... No, you're good, man. Keep going. No, you're golden. Right, Let's good. go, baby. All right. Good, good, good. So 20% off, promo code. No. So <laughs> you get... <laughs> I was going to throw a Vex promo code out there, but <laughs> well, you, you got one think, for everything. You got to do the Think Tank promo code. No, no, no that'll Vex. come out. But Vex, Vex has one. I went to Target <laughs> the other day, and I used Vex, and I got 20% off my whole order. You know what, baby? Just trying to help everybody. <laughs> so... Back in line here, it's um, we, we as parents, you know, because my daughter plays. We we buy our kids nice toys, like call them toys. So you see all these kids that go to the rink with a three hundred dollar Bauer AS two or your your Jet Speed or whatever it is, and they don't know how to use them. You know what I mean by that? I'm like, yeah, I can fly it or I can stick handle with it, and I can I can shoot with it. But when you put a gel sticks in your hand and and you 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 try to just use your arms to shoot the puck, like comes off like a wounded duck. Like it's floppy. It's like a bad saucer pass, you know? And then it's a little frustrating to use at first. And then when you start to learn that you have to drive down through your bottom hand and use that flex and snap the puck, you know, you're, you're building the strength in your arms and all that stuff. You're also building the muscle memory. And now when you go back to your $300 stick and you treat it the same way and you drive that bottom hand through it, now you're actually using the kick points that you're, you just spent $300 on besides the name. And now your velocity is changing because you learned how to use that stick. And now your shots, honestly, forever change. It's forever different. Now you can do all the studies and analytics, which we have, we have all the numbers of why Cam Atkinson had 42 last year versus the 33 he had the year before that. Why, you know, I, I see it at Holy Cross. Our entire team uses it. We were the lowest shooting team in the Atlantic last year um, with like 22.4, 22.6 shots a game. We're averaging like 27.8 right now. And the biggest thing so if you always talk about is the mental aspect of things, right? So our sticks, it's that placebo effect. So yeah, if you put yourself in a radar gun or one of those, um, what are those shooting ranges called there? Um, hockey shot things or rapid shot, whatever rapid shot. Yes. Thank you. Put yourself in a rapid shot and say, Hey, I just shot at 64, now it's 66. I mean, those, those numbers are, are pretty true. But in your mind, that placebo effect, it's, it's 10 miles per hour different. So what our kids are experiencing is a, is a change in their range. So they're not getting closer to the net to shoot. They're shooting from further out. They're learning more about their game. Because as we all know, more pucks to the net, increased performance, right? So it's been, uh, it's been wild, to say the least. I learned how to shoot. I couldn't shoot play my whole life. So. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I remember the, you and me both. I remember the first time I picked yeah. picked the gel stick up, I was instantly sold. And I, I actually reached out to you guys um, you know, when I was still playing my last year via LinkedIn. 
um i reached out to zach one of your, one of your guys uh guys who worked for you and i was like okay like tell me more about this and then uh, my season ended i came home and uh, the Zach flew out to St. Louis. We had meetings and um, I was like, holy crap. I, I used it. I was like, absolutely love it. I immediately brought it in the gym. A ton of my kids bought them, not because I was like, hey, you should buy these because it'll make me money. Like it wasn't like that at all. I don't even think I took money off the first like 10 that that the kids bought. It was just like these make sense. They're going to make you better. And And it's not just shooting. It's stick handling. It's learning to use your stick pressure. It's learning to strengthen the muscles in your flexors and extensors by having a heavier stick. Just waving the stick back and forth with your top hand increases the strength in your forearm muscles. It's literally crazy. So guys who are hurt, I'll have them use it all the time in the gym just so that they can keep those muscles going. Like uh, the, the applications for gel sticks are endless. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's everything. I stepped on someone's toes there. I apologize. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, like, face-offs. Yeah. Having a guy do face-offs with him. Like, le- learning to move uh, the weight. Just having putting some weight behind it. It's kind of like doing a, a bench press versus a push-up. Like, you do the bench press first, and you do the push-up. You'll move your body a lot faster when you, when you take that weight off. Like, a squat jump. Same thing. Like, to take a couple face-offs with it, then take them without it. Like, it, it's crazy. So, so Lounsey, is this something that you know kids should be using in practice like for the whole practice or is it something that they should be using kind of like before and after um so if you're like advising people on kind of like you talked about how it works but if you're advising people on how to use it how would you advise them to do that oh man there's like it like actually there's so many different applications but for the parents out there just having your kid every team no matter what you look at does a warm-up drill a two warm-up drills they go around the circles they go around the phones they collect the pass, they shoot the score, they get to higher levels, it gets more, we would call them flow drills. And those are the times you want to use those sticks, use them in your flow drills. And then you can get as in-depth as if you're a coach and you're trying to teach good stick positioning in the defensive zone, all right, my D-zone guys use your gel sticks, offensive zone guys use your regular sticks, and it's a bear. You know, trying to go stick on puck all the time with those things. And then if you're a defenseman and you're just taking one-on-ones the length of the ice. You know, and again, teaching yourself to have good stick on puck. So, you know, just I always encourage players and parents to get creative with it, even for the use in your own backyard, right? And they don't break, so we have a lifetime warranty on those, so they're never going to break on you. Um, the flex points are amazing. Like we had Vex was down in Naples with us, and you were there too. We had so much fun, like trying to bend sticks in half and talking to guys. That was probably one of the more fun times I've had you know, with the company just because of, of the interest it gained and received and, and all that. But the applications of it are just, they're, they're unlimited, you know, but I, I don't suggest one-on-one like battle drills, anything like that, net front drills, because you don't want to hurt someone. Um, you know, at the same time, they're, they're not made to really slash other people or, or sticks. And so, you know, the, the applications are limitless in the fact that you're not going to take it take them in contact drills, you know? Cool. That's awesome. Love it. Man. I love the idea of the D men using them in the D zone 
and, and the forwards and a D zone uh, drill and also D men on a one-on-one. Like the thing I see with kids, even at the U16 AAA level is like all the time, as soon as like they want to jab at a guy or, or a guy a forward tries to make a move, that D-man will pick his stick up or he'll slide it outside of the way instead of keeping that calm stick in front of them, mirroring the puck, making it much harder for the forward to get around them. So using the gel stick, that's that's money. I might even use that tonight at practice. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Like I was actually, you know, I do the color commentating for all the Cornell home games. So I was there and Shafe was talking to a kid and he was saying that like he's going to tape a, a weight to his stick because he had to stick up playing defensively so this might be a better option <laughs> noted phone call will be made after there you this. go i was gonna say it might be might be making a relationship here so um, but it's like it, it, you know if you're if you're 23 years old and you're using a gel stick you're getting paid you know that's that's the way we look at it but the youth and the women's game especially it's like the shooting the stick handling just such a great avenue for it you know yeah, for girls especially, like massive, massive, massive for girls just because they, they lack a lot of the strength that the boys do. So especially when they're younger, you know, the biggest thing that I've noticed from watching girls practice and training girls is that the passing and the shooting, like the strength behind the shots just isn't there yet. As they get older, it gets there. But now you bring a gel stick out and you do a couple shooting drills with them, some passing drills with them, then go back to their normal sticks. It's going to be an absolute game changer. Right, right. And and again, I think as you, I want to thank you for how you kind of our first episode with Alex talk, you, you gave us such a, a great introduction to the podcast and everything, but we're, we've created something where we're everywhere, you know, and, and we want to be everywhere where people, we align ourselves with the people, right? So it's when you call, when there's something wrong with an order, cause we're not perfect. Like we've been delayed on orders. We've had things mess up. We've had, UPS lose things. And like, we just have to, we're, we're people, right? So you're going to call up and you're going to get me a hundred percent. If you call, if there's a hockey issue and you pick up the phone or you email gel sticks, like you're emailing me directly and you're, you're going to get me, you're not going to get somebody else and we're going to rectify it to do whatever we can. You know, I, I had, you know, it's just, we're here to, to help everyone else around us and kind of grow the game of hockey more and do whatever we can to, to support you know, guys like yourselves or, uh, foundations that we you know we're doing a big foundation drive tomorrow. Um, you know, it helps hockey families that have gone through catastrophic events, you know, so it's like, we're just trying to intertwine ourselves with people that we believe have the same values. Absolutely. Awesome. That's, uh, that's why we asked you first to be part of this podcast and be our sponsor because got the chance to meet a bunch of you guys down in Florida at the college coaches convention. And, uh, yeah, instantly kind of hit it off and was able to talk, you know, talk hockey, talk life, talk business, all that kind of stuff. And we certainly align. And like Jeff and I have talked about, like we have not done a lot of sponsorship type stuff on here because we wanted to be an information podcast and thought it might get in the way a little bit but then we were kind of like well why don't we just align ourselves and bring people on as sponsors who who we believe in and we we think can make a positive impact in the hockey world and and certainly from getting to know your company and stuff that's that's certainly aligning on our end and and we appreciate you know you guys helping us out on on a lot of different stuff and and we're happy to to you know return the favor and, and talk about gel sticks on the podcast because we do have a lot of listeners and we encourage you if you do want to, as we were talking about, better yourself on the rink, Gel Sticks is certainly a product that, that can help you. So, um, and we got a little promo code, a little Think Tank promo code, or what? We sure do, Think Tank promo code. So when you go to checkout, type in the old Think Tank, 
um, for a great promo code. Uh, it's all going to help support a great cause, and it's going to keep everything kind of running in the same direction. So don't be afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to reach out with any questions, especially to Tolf, myself, Bex, whatever. Absolutely, man. Oh. Well, it's, it's gelsticks.com, and it's G-E-L-S-T-X.com. And, uh, yeah, so head over there and, and uh, check it out. It's a great product, but also a great conversation with you here, Lounsey, today. Talked about a lot of great stuff uh, in regards to the hockey world and youth hockey development and stuff like that. So uh, you're a great hockey guy, and we appreciate everything that you've done, and uh, we look forward to, to keeping in touch here in the future. Likewise, it was an honor. Thank you guys for what you do and keep up the good work. <laughs> thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, thanks, Bye. Thanks, Bye.